0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today, we're talking financials. Today, we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today, we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, March 28th, and we're talking about the market sell-off. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined by Motley Fool premium analyst, Ben Ra. Ben, it's uh, it's been kind of a rough week.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been rough. I mean, they, they're calling this the worst week since uh, 2008, um, and I mean, there's a couple arguments that you can make. You can make you can make the argument that you know it's a buying opportunity. There are definitely a lot of people who think, well, there's a lot of you know prices are getting better now. The prices were so high for such a long time, and now things are coming back to earth. So you know. Some people think of it as a panic. I wouldn't really call it a panic when there's people who actually think of it as an opportunity. Uh, I think in the real panic you have people who, uh, you know, are really hating life and who really want you know, the past trends to to continue. I don't see that now. I, I really don't see this as a panic. I think, you know, when you look at the market, last year went up like. Thirty percent, thirty-three percent. If you include dividends, a lot of that was really multiple expansion. It really wasn't earnings uh, dramatically better than 2018. So you can you can characterize this as the market just kind of coming back to earth in a way.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's easy to be level-headed here at Motley Fool HQ because mm-hmm. we you know we're surrounded by so many people who are saying you know this is a buying opportunity, or, you know, we're prepared for this. We understand that we're going to have those years where the market's up 30%, and the years where markets may be down 5% Mm -hmm. um, or more. Um, I think it's a little tougher if you're out there doing it on your own.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I can definitely understand um, the panic that could set in when you put in, you know, a significant amount of money, and the next day you're losing 5% of it. Um, And then the next day after, it's it's another loss. Um, But, you know, one of the advice pieces of advice that I've heard is that you're not, you know, really losing unless you sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so the importance of you know knowing that the stock market is going to move up and down um, all the time, and there are going to be days like this. Uh, it's really a matter of just um, keeping your head um, clear and, and not doing something just because the market seems to be telling you to do it or not buying or selling. Based on the headline, which is very tempting to do these days.
0: Yeah, and I think this time is also a very good it's a good moment to kind of check in on the idea of the diversification of time we mm-hmm. we spend so much time when we're talking about investing talking about the diversification and people tend to think about that you know owning a lot of stocks or right. owning mutual funds or index funds yep. but there's another element to it and it's when you decide to put your money to work for you mm-hmm. and if you're tying your cost basis whether it's a mutual fund or a stock to a single point in time right. you are subject to whatever the market's whims are at that moment yep. and i think that this is just a great reminder that if you if you got 10,000 bucks and you're trying to invest it don't do it all at once. Yeah. You know, kind of sprinkle it out over the course of the year. And a lot of people do this, anyways, with their 401k or their 403b, and they don't even realize it. Yeah. But every paycheck, you know, 26 times a year, something like that, um, they're investing in the market. And it's one of the easiest ways to spread your bets and make sure that you're not too anchored to mm-hmm. any one moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can time the market, you know, time the market if you know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... Problem is nobody knows how to do it. Exactly. So by you know averaging out over time, dollar cost averaging is the official uh, way of describing it. Um, if you do that, then it, it sort of kills the effect of timing. Um, and you know the key to long-term investing, you know the foolish way of investing, is you know you never know what exactly you know when it's going to happen, but you know what's going to happen. You know which companies are going to win. But when exactly you know all these things will transpire, that's, uh, that's a mystery. So the key, as you said, is to divide up your bets over time.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, and it's a lot easier to say these things uh, academically than, mm-hmm. than to practice these things. I think what's so hard about a large market sell-off is you're either prepared for it or you're not. Yep. And if you're not prepared, there's not a ton you can immediately do right. to get yourself there. And yep. so, this will not necessarily be the most actionable advice for folks that are feeling a little bit more panicked, because they put a lot of money into it. Yep. Um, but that's why we espouse so much, You know, if, if you're going to need it in the next couple of years, it probably doesn't belong in the stock market.
1: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, it is very important to have a, a cash cushion, and Warren Buffett calls cash an option on all assets. So it's very nice to have that at all times. Now, how what percentage of your portfolio should be cash is really dependent on your your personality, or situation. But it is important to have that cash cushion um, so that you can utilize in a moment like this. And you know, a moment like this, I think, really kind of uh, gives us reinforces a lot of lessons. One of those being, you know, keep cash. Uh, try not to put your cash into depreciating assets like a car, uh, this is probably not the best time to make that kind of purchase. Um, watch how the market unfolds, and you may you may find better opportunities than a Mercedes-Benz.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I think what's also been a little scary for folks is, when you see some real volatility hitting, um, You know, you expect the market to sell off, but you will look to these stalwart companies Mm -hmm. and expect them to continue to do just fine. Yeah. And I looked, you know, Microsoft sold off 10% over the past week. Surprisingly, Apple didn't. They were only Mm -hmm. down about 2%. But um, this is something where it's not necessarily just the high growth SaaS companies that are trading at crazy multiples that have sold off. A lot of really big names have.
1: Yeah. um, There's also a lot of companies that have actually benefit. I mean, you look at like Clorox uh, 3M, I think, has benefited. So, I mean, generally speaking, I'm very much against this business of buying any kind of you know coronavirus stocks. Um, so, best case scenario, say the virus just goes away in a month's time, and uh, you've bought these stocks that supposedly were supposed to benefit from the coronavirus, say something like Clorox. Um, So, after the coronavirus goes away, are you going to keep on holding these stocks? Are those stocks going to go down because now the coronavirus has gone away, and you left holding these stocks that you didn't like before, but now you have? Are you going to sell them? So, I would say, look at those stocks that you liked before. Um, and the stocks that you like before are probably stocks that benefit from long-term trends. And I think the effect of the coronavirus, if you look at it over the long term, will be to sort of reinforce and strengthen these long-term trends. So one of those trends, I think, is something like um, the virtual world. So people live much more in the virtual world. Uh, reality than in actual reality. So these stocks that we say, well, you know, stay-at-home stocks like Netflix, they all benefit from that long-term trend. And that long-term trend has existed uh, before. Um, I think this is something that just sort of reinforces that. Um, And when you look at sort of the effect of the coronavirus on supply chains, and people say it's going to kill, you know, globalization. There's this backlash against globalization that's been going on for like the last couple of years. Um, I would say that what's going on is more of a diversification of the supply chain away from places like China. Much more difficult to do now because you have so many different countries that are affected by the virus. But it's necessary for these companies to exercise some flexibility when it comes to their supply chains. So it's a continuing effort to have more flexibility in the supply chains. So any company that really deals with that that can, um, you know, automate business practices and automate the supply chain, could benefit over the long term. It could benefit maybe immediately from the coronavirus, but also after the coronavirus, um, it'll benefit from these long-term trends. So you really have to think about the world after uh, these this uh, this epidemic because it will end at at some point.
0: I like the way that you're parsing that because you know what we really look for is tailwinds and we look for significant tailwinds that will drive stocks for a long time that will give companies plenty of room to run and when I look at something like this it's it's a shock to the system. Mhm. It's maybe a short-term tailwind, but it is not a long-term tailwind. The The investable element of this is the supply chain changes that you're talking about. And right. and I think there's probably a lot of really great lessons for investors bundled into all of that as well. Um, I think also, too, like the companies that are going to be bit a little bit more by this are the ones who have the supply chain issues.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely if you're selling a product, um, if you're selling a thing... It's it's difficult for you because you know a lot of a lot of manufacturing just takes place in in Asia in China in particular. Um, so yeah, if you're in, the, in that situation as a company, it is it is difficult. And the other thing is, when the coronavirus you know when it ends, and I believe that it will end definitely, um, will demand just spark up in sort of a V? Will it be a V-shaped recovery? Is sort of the way that. Um, analysts uh, talk about things, but will it be an immediate spike in demand is one of the questions that we can sort of think about. And uh, I, I would lean toward um, the negative in that aspect. I mean, just the fact that you're living in a more virtual world, I think, means that when there is a recovery, people will be slow to actually get out and buy things and go on cruises and go to the theater, they will have to feel absolutely safe before they start doing that. So that recovery in more physical experiences, whether it's products, whether it's going to the theater or going to concerts, that recovery, I think, is going to be a lot slower. Uh, and I would bet on it not being a V-shaped recovery. That doesn't mean that those businesses are not good businesses over the long term. It may actually be a, an opportunity to buy over the long term. Um, but yeah, just uh, that recovery. I, I would bet on it being a much more slower
0: pace. Well, anytime you run into issues with your supply chain, it's not something where you flip the switch back on. Sure, things start coming out, and everything is where it's supposed to be. Yep. You know, there's there's a lag where you order products a certain amount of time before you actually need to sell the products. Yep. And any disruption of that is not just a short term disruption. It's probably going to be something that affects them yes. for a considerable amount of time beyond that. Um, you're, you're talking of the virtual world reminds me a lot of this conversation I was having with Jason Moser the other day and he was saying yeah I mean the, the companies that operate in the digital space there might be fears and there might be less consumer spending but they aren't disrupted by this in the same way because mm-hmm. it's not affecting physical inventory for them
1: yeah no um that's I definitely agree with that I would also say that you know a lot of uh, those companies I mean the valuation has definitely gone up a lot so immediately there is some risk there, um, you know. Just to, I mean, the, the top four companies, the trillion-dollar companies. I'm not saying all of those are virtual world uh, companies, but they do benefit in a very significant way from from this trend. Um, I mean, those companies have done very well um, over the last few years, and they constitute close to what is it, four trillion dollars of market cap there. Versus twenty one trillion dollars of GDP, so it's almost twenty percent of GDP right there, just tied up in those four companies. So there is some price risk there in in, in the short term, um, yeah. But uh, I mean, the long term is is a very different story.
0: We can't talk about this being a potential buying opportunity without throwing out some interesting ideas for people to kind of keep on their watch lists yeah. um, I am I am so crushed and disappointed personally because uh, listeners might know I'm, I'm in the process of buying a house mm. and so from an interest rate perspective yeah fantastic yeah. Um, but I also can't deploy cash the way I normally would when I yeah. see the market sell off 10% which is a bummer. Um, I'm sure, though, there are a lot of listeners out there looking for a couple ideas. And Mm. so I wanted to bring in and and talk about some things that you think are particularly interesting right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, so going back to the automation of business processes, just the difficulties and complexities that will happen because of these supply chain uh, disruptions. There is, I mean, the biggest consultant, Accenture. Um, I think is a very interesting one because their stock actually has gone down. I would say the coronavirus and just long-term trends of business automation actually helps um, Accenture. Um, What they provide, I think, will become even more necessary over the last five years. Their stock has gone down. It's a possible opportunity. I'm not saying buy just because the stock went down. But uh, I would say the long-term future of that and even the immediate-term future of of Accenture is quite um, quite positive, even though in the in the very short term, you know, a lot of their business demand may may die down a little bit. But uh, long term speaking, long term, I I do like the business a bit more.
0: I remember I had a conversation with John Rotonti, uh one of our other analysts. It might have been like two or three years ago, and he was saying that Accenture is one of the easiest ways to blindly bet on tech. Mm-hmm because they are consultants, yes. uh, because they are, there's not one mega trend that yeah. they have working for them, they are going to be wherever companies need tech implementation yeah. and tech consulting. And so, right. kind of no matter where the industry goes, they're probably going to be making money off of it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I, I completely agree with that. Um, yeah, nothing more to add <laughs> to that.
0: <That's>, uh, <laughs> uh, do you have another one for us, Ben? Um,
1: so... There's a company called Everbridge. I don't know um, maybe a lot of our members may not be familiar with it, but it is a, a software company it sells what's called critical event management. So this ties ties in a little bit more directly to the coronavirus. Uh, outbreak. So it's a company that where if an employee, for example, is in danger or is in a danger area, it sends out basically. A, it's a mass messaging system that companies use to notify their employees about what's going on. So of course it ties in very directly. If some you know some employee uh, gets infected, uh, this sends out a message across you know whether it's phone, email, chat. Um, It makes sure that if you're an employee of that company, you know uh, what's going on. So this is something that companies have been um, using more and more. Um, I would say that because of the coronavirus, it becomes even more important for companies to have some kind of solution similar to what Everbridge provides. Um, We ourselves at the full, we have a solution. I forget who the provider is. But uh, it is a market that I think is is uh, expanding.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, there are a variety of reasons why companies need that type of messaging service. Right. Um, and sadly, I don't think those reasons are going anywhere.
1: No, um, you know the, the typical one that people think about, of course, is, is mass shootings. Um, but not just mass shootings. There's all kinds of, you know, there's floods, there's there's storms, there's all kinds of dangerous things that. Uh, that can happen and that require this kind of, of mass communication tool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know we've used it at Full HQ for things that did not seem all of that crazy, yeah. but the peace of mind that comes with being able to use a system like that is absolutely fantastic. Right. Um, just to, that's kind of the story behind the stock. Um, a couple numbers or anything like that that kind of help paint a picture.
1: Um, I mean, in terms of the stock, it's gone up like 25% because of the coronavirus. I'm not wow. saying buy because of it. <laughs> yeah. But it's actually, uh, it's actually benefited. Um, and uh, it's a stock that I've been looking at, I would say, over the last couple of years. Um, and uh, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. I wouldn't say just buy because of this. But it's just one to uh, to keep in mind.
0: One to watch. Yeah. All right. Ben, thanks so much for hopping on today's show, giving sure. us a rundown. Hopefully, you know, I mean, you have you have such a calm, like relaxed demeanor to you. I hope that <laughs> listeners were able to get that sense. Uh, I certainly get it when we're in the studio together. Always happy to chat with you. Awesome. Thank you. Listeners, that's gonna do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. focus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass today. It's Friday, so we're going to be playing things out with Checks and Balances by Full Time Fool Burke and Grafia. For Ben Ra, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool On.
2: I've got a million dollars. It's hypothetical large amount in my bank account, it's parenthetical The money I'm made of is theoretical, so in theory I've got it good My fat wallet is on a diet, my balance sheet is lopsided My income statement is keeping silent, but let's keep one thing understood I need checks I need balances Life's a mess With financial challenges Checks and balances When things get tough Do you do it for money Or do you do it for love My cold hard cash Is soft and tropical My deep pockets Are merely topical I hit the big time It was microscopical But don't you get it I am no fool I own a bank, I call him Piggy Brought home the bacon, he got a little wiggy Cracked him open, what a pity His inner life was pitiful I need checks, I need balances Life's a mess with financial challenges Checks and balances, when things get tough Do you do it for money? Or do you do it for love I know a cheapskate Always has a headache Trying to get something for free None more wiser Is the miser Always lives in misery I'm cashing in on Triple coupons Soup kitchen's calling Saying the soup's on I sing for my supper my groove on. I still know how to have fun. I need checks. I need balances. Life's a mess with financial challenges. Checks and balances. When things get tough, do you do it for money? Or do Always has a headache Trying to get something for free None more wiser Is the miser Always lives in misery I own a bank I call him Piggy Brought home the bacon He got a little wiggy Cracked him open What a pity His inner life was pitiful I need checks balances life's a mess with financial challenges checks and balances when things get tough do you do it for money or do you do it for love do you do it for money or do you do it for love